From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome back, listeners, to our second installment of the Frosty Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. We have a loaded show for you. We have a brand new co-host. We have our very first guest, and we have our first dabble in some major controversy in our league. But first things first, let's welcome our new co-host, Tony Perenni. I'm excited and ready to go, Derek. Uh, we, we already have our theme. We have our first trade of the season. We have our first controversy of the season. And this, the season's really only, what, two days old in this new league year? This is excellent. This is excellent fodder for us to discuss here today. Absolutely. So let's talk about the new theme. Uh, it was a tight race between the office and fake corporate sponsors. And with the last vote by Coach Provenciale, or however you say his name, we're going to go with Coach Gorgonzola on this podcast. Coach Gorgonzola breaks the tie by voting for fake corporate sponsors after asking for multiple examples from the office. What's your take there, Tony? Yeah, you know, really uh, caught everybody by surprise. Really looked like he was going to lean office. He was leaning, uh, leaning Dwight's way there, and then just pulled the rug out from everybody. And we have fake corporate sponsors now. So uh, get out there campaigning, people. Uh, get your pitches together to these corporations that you're making up, and uh, let's get rolling with this. Oh yeah. You know, I, I really thought he was going to go office. He starts asking for office-themed names. You know, I threw out Dwight Ends. I thought it was a great name, um, and I really thought he would catch on to that. And then, yeah, just out of nowhere, boom, corporate sponsors gets tossed out there. And uh, Coach Gorgonzola making his name known uh, right from the very start as a new coach. So uh, I, was, I was happy to see it. Uh, coach Dave Pestian, not very happy to see it. He was really pulling for that office theme. Um but as somebody who hasn't watched much of The Office, uh, it really took down the time commitment I have to put into this league. So I'm not upset by it. Yeah, I was really surprised by the uh, the fight that The Office crew put together here. Um, really looked like it was going to go to the fake corporate sponsors early, and The Office fought back, and it looked like they were going to take it. Um, heroic effort. If, if, if themes can be known as heroic, uh, this one definitely gave that type of effort. You know, I... I, I didn't think themes could be heroic before before yesterday, but now I uh, I believe it. I fully believe it. Um, now, Coach, last time on our podcast, I discussed that, in my opinion, we as fans love dynasties. Uh, we love them when they're our team, and we love to hate them when they're not. Uh, you know, I've stood by that people outside of the state of Arizona don't really care very much how the Cardinals are going to do this season or how they did last season. Um, and in our league... We have the beginnings of a dynasty that I think this year can be the year it's fully cemented. And that's with coach Steve Groover's team. He's back-to-back champion, a perfect 13 and 0 last year. And this is the year if he can three-peat, he becomes our dynasty. You know, what what do you think about that? Of uh, what he did last year was obviously extremely impressive. Uh, that 13 and 0 season, that's the dream for anybody. Um my question is, how do you follow that up the next year? That target on his back is going to be bigger than ever. Um, really hasn't had to fight too many injuries along the way. Has had a lot of luck with his roster. And you can already see that worm starting to turn with 
the Todd Gurley knee knee issue that's uh, that's occurring right now, and that's going to be a black cloud over his team right now. So I'm not ready to just hand him this third straight title right now. Um, I think this is going to be his toughest one yet to achieve. But let me ask you this, Coach. If he does three-peat or at least puts up a really good showing, are you comfortable calling him a dynasty? Yeah, absolutely. If he, if he can get it done and go back to back to back like Tom Amansky out here, um, yeah, he's a dynasty. Uh, just, just like creating Little League champions out there. But like I said, I think – I think this one is going to be his toughest one yet to achieve. And I think there's going to be a lot of good competitors out there gunning for him. Oh, no doubt. You know, with him going 13 and 0 this year, he's going to have a target on his back in each and every game. Um, even a, a squad like, like Tyler Kerr's squad, you know, they're going to be putting out a hundred percent. They're going to be trying to take him down. All kickers, man. All kickers, all kickers. How many can I play at once? You know, and with that, I think with no further ado, Welcome to the Frosty Hotline, Coach Steve Groover. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm honored to be the first guest. Excellent. Coach, what have you been up to this summer? Oh, you know, just really enjoying the married life, getting used to that, enjoying some time with Melissa right now. We both have a little bit of time off from school and uh, really just starting to dive into some football right now, watching the, uh, the Todd Gurley situation pretty closely at the moment. That's where I want to start, uh, Steve, uh, and welcome to the show. It's uh, great to have you on. Um, I mentioned, uh, as, as Derek was talking about, the dynasty discussion, and that's going to be a big thing that you're going to be hearing all season long, uh, that you really haven't had to deal too much with injuries through these last two seasons. Um, and already heading into this year, you have the Todd Gurley situation. How are you reacting to that in your camp, and how are you preparing for any issues that injuries could bring up for you this season honestly it's causing a big question with uh even his keeper status you know for his price in those question marks i think a big part of this game is risk aversion and if he's going to have those question marks lingering around him all year or even all the way through the preseason uh he might be a guy that may not end up on my team by the time keepers roll around Steve, what kind of what kind of signs are you seeing from him in practice right now? Are you seeing promising signs? Are you seeing uh, uh, him dragging a little bit? Or you, you have to really uh, take your time in, in implementing him into drills. How are you handling his situation? You know, dude, we're doing what we need to to make sure he's healthy. You know, every all the information I've seen so far is that they're really managing what he's doing. Uh, and honestly, really just controlling. And that's not a good sign voting for his season. You know, they're not going to let it get to a situation like they did last year where you know, they don't have him for the playoffs. It's the whole reason they're playing this game. You know, if they need to manage him throughout the season to get him to the playoffs and playing at his highest ability, you know, they're going to do that. And that just doesn't really bode well for fantasy players. All right. So, Coach Griffin, you know, we started this, this opening of the segment. Uh, I talked about this year being the year that I think if you can three-peat or put on a really, really strong show, you can cement your legacy as a dynasty in this league. Um, some people are already saying you're a dynasty. Now, when I threw that past Tony, he said, you know, you're going to have a, a big target on your back this year. Certainly not going to be easy. But even he feels comfortable calling you a dynasty after this year uh, if you should win again or put up a really strong showing. So what are your thoughts about being – termed a dynasty and how is that affecting the guys in the locker room 
you know, it's it's tough to be a dynasty in this in this league in this type of setting. There's a lot of turnaround. You know, not many guys stay in your team really long enough to be able to be called a dynasty. So right now, uh, we're really just trying to take it one step at a time. You know, if we win this year, then we might entertain the thoughts of it. You know, some of the guys that have been around for a while might start getting a little bit cocky. But, you know, we're really trying to temper expectations right now. You know, guys like Mixon that had been around for a little while, you know, we're really trying to keep him centered because he is going to be a key part of the team. It's really kind of remarkable to see where you've come from, from 2016, where you had a very disappointing season, to then turning around and winning back-to-back championships. Yeah, you know, that was a, that was a little blemish on our, uh, on our record. You know, to come back and have that perfect season last year was a big deal for the guys. But, uh, yeah, it hasn't always been an easy road. There's been a lot of bumps. Steve, I just, I just want to follow up on that uh, season. I mean, you were you were the original tanker. You're the reason this ACT punishment was born. Um, what did you learn from that season in 2016 that propelled you into being back-to-back champions in 17-18? Yeah, you know, a lot of people want to talk about how I tanked that season, but I really don't see it that way as much as everyone else. My, you know, there wasn't a penalty for having a bad year. My team had a lot of injuries to start that year, and it really was a struggle throughout the whole year. And by the end, you know, even week 10 and 11, my team was already out of playoff contention with nothing to live for. So I did what anyone would have done in that situation, and I started to prepare for the next year. You know, speaking of the ACT, you know, it's really come up as to be a, somewhat of a controversy, especially last year uh, when Coach Allback came out and just straight up said, hey, I'm not going to take it. Uh, I fear this is going to affect my future. And we kind of got thrown into a little bit of a tizzy of, of what are we going to do uh, for a penalty if the last place coach decides not to take that ACT. So we look at the last two years, we've had the ACT penalty. Neither coach who should have taken the test actually went through with it. They opted to leave the league instead. You know, so from a sustainability of our league standpoint, you know, I don't know how much more this can go on. Do we need to consider having some lesser form of a penalty uh, than the ACT and keep losing these coaches? You know, I, I think that's a really good question, and it's something we need to look into right now and, uh, you know, really search into options as a group. You know, one thing that I've considered and something that we might really want to look into is decreasing that penalty, getting that penalty down to something that would be attainable for anyone to do, just to get a ball rolling for some kind of penalty. And then maybe we can start ramping it up as the years go on. But right now, you know, maybe we started too high. Maybe we started that 100% penalty. And it's really kind of deterring teams right now. We, we only have so many friends, guys. You know, we, we're, we're really struggling to fill these spots already at this point. You know, we, we can't lose too many friends before we're start, just starting to drop team size here. I've always been on the side of the tracks to suggest that uh, I, I think the ACT punishment is working in that. I mean, it, it is. You're taking the test or you're leaving the league. I think eventually, um, if, you, if you look at, at the makeup of the toilet bowl playoffs every year, um, we've had people in there that would have been willing to take it. It just hasn't come up to them yet. Um, I just think back to just 
how fun it is for the entire league, the entire season to just speculate on that ACT and on that toilet bowl participant because of um, just how ridiculous the punishment is. So I, I think there's definitely an argument for keeping it. I think you'll find some people in the league who are for it, but I think it's going to be a big discussion uh, as we go on in these coming weeks. I, I, I think to your point there, Tony, you know, the, the penalty is working because you have teams that are, are in it the whole year, including through the toilet bowl, uh, you know, and, and to kind of, to join me on this side here, it's not like we didn't know going into both the 2017 and 2018 season what the penalty was going to be. And if you're told what the consequence is of finishing last and you join in and say, yeah, I'm going to play, I'm going to coach a team, you got to be ready to suffer that consequence. And if you don't have a problem in August, you can't turn around and have a problem in, in December and January, right? Uh, you know, so so I think with that, everybody knew uh, and those coaches decided not to. Clearly, when they agreed to it, they must have not realized that their team was going to be bad enough uh, to be in that situation. But I don't think it changes the, the point at all. So, you know, I'm kind of on the fence with it. You know, I'm not out here to destroy futures if if people are worried about a bad ACT score ruining, you know, graduate school or future employment or something like that. Um, you know, it seems a little speculative to me, uh, so I'm, I'm not convinced that actually is a, is a legitimate concern. Um, certainly it is to them, but, uh, you know, I, I'm for, I'm for whatever, but I think if we're not going to do ACT, it should be something that is severe enough that keeps people involved all year. Like they are now. I'm sure exactly. you guys can agree. I think that's um, something that's great about our league is that it keeps everybody engaged all season long. Uh, the, the people that are fighting for the playoff spots in the end are fighting for the same people on the waiver wire that people are fighting for in the toilet bowl picture. So it keeps everybody engaged. It keep, gives you another reason to manage that, that free agent budget throughout the year. I think it's really good. Steve, what are your, what are your thoughts on just the competitiveness that it enables for the, the entire season? Yeah, I think, well, you know, that's the whole reason we put it in, so that everybody does stay competitive throughout the whole year, and everybody has a reason to keep playing and enjoying this game, even if they have, you know, a 3-13 and 13 season, you know, they can still have a chance to not be that worst team. It gives them a reason to get on that draft board or you know, the, the waiver wire, you know, and be searching out players and keeping everything honest and competitive all the way through the playoffs. You know, so I agree that it should be something severe enough that keeps everybody interested and competitive. And with that, I think we'll go to our, uh, our commercial break here. We'll be back on the flip side. This is Derek Frost, host of the Frosty Podcast. Be sure to catch our other podcasts from Steel Valley Media, including Finance Forward, hosted by Joe Reedy, a podcast that explores all the tips and tricks of maximizing your financial future using real-world examples and easy-to-follow tips, all while Joe keeps you laughing. That's Finance Forward from Steel Valley Media. Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast. Our league has now taken on its first bit of controversy. Uh, it was breaking news earlier, and to catch you up, uh, our two guests here, both Coach Tony Perenni and Coach Steve Groover, uh, attempted to make a trade. trade has been proposed in off-season. So, 
here's what went down. Coach Perenni offered up James Conner for Coach Groover's George Kittle. Now, almost immediately, the controversy breaks out. Uh, Coach Taft, who tried to make up, uh, pick up a free agent last year, was absolutely ridiculed. It was, it was shut down, no free agent. And so he jumps in. Uh, Coach Kevin Hulick taking, taking offense to it as well, saying that there should be no transactions in the offseason. The season essentially starts with uh, selecting your keepers. And that no transaction should happen until after the draft date, um, which really sent sent the league down a, a spiral of trying to figure out who, a if this trade should be allowed, and b if not, you know, at what point are trades okay? Are they are they never okay? Uh, is it okay to trade keepers? Uh, you know, we're still working on this, and so how fitting that we have both coaches involved in this in this uh this controversy here so uh coach perenny i'll start with you what's your take i've been i've been itching to talk about this all day um i i, th- I think the first thing worth noting and i'm sure steve as commissioner will back this up is there was never a rule in place that says there was no trades in the offseason we did put in place a rule uh there were no free agents in the offseason um and i think that's still worth keeping um to me all transactions aren't aren't the same in this. So treating free agents like trades, I don't think I think there's some fallacy in that. Um, having a free agent period, I know Coach Reedy brought up uh, just the time commitment that will be year round um, if if you have off season activity like this, which I think is a big big factor in that free agent acquisition. Um, when it comes down to how you pick up people in the off season, it's going to be, you know, the situation for a certain player changed in the off season. Maybe his, the guy in front of him got traded, something like that. He's sitting out there on the waiver wire. The first person who has a chance to open up their app and go in there is going to get that player. Even if six of the other people were at work that day, two people were on vacation. Charlie's on the West coast. He wasn't up yet. Uh, not everybody has a shot at that player, whereas trades are completely different in that they're they're controlled by a team the entire way. And two parties have to agree to this deal, regardless of when it happens. So I don't I don't I think we're just arguing over timing at this point. Um, I don't think there's any real competitive advantage to one happening two months from the draft between one happening a week from the draft to one happening after the draft. Uh, to me, uh, if both parties agree to it, both parties agree that it's a move that they want to make to make their team more competitive. Um, I think that's worth making at any time. And I don't think that necessitates constant engagement from everybody. Um, if somebody doesn't want to turn on their app until a week before the draft, they can do that. And they still have the opportunity to make a trade. And I don't think that they have any competitive disadvantage because they didn't have the app up for months before that. Uh, Steve, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree with what a lot of Coach Perney has said. Uh, as commissioner, I'm trying to look at it from everybody's perspective, and I do understand some of the other concerns. But one, I think we're really blowing out of proportion how many of these trades are really going to be made throughout an offseason. You know, I believe – Coach Perenni and I have both been under the impression that this has been fair game since the league has started, yet 
this is the first time we've ever seen one. And I think that's because it's these trades have to come under very special circumstances. You know, you're trading guys that have a value assigned to them. So you're not only trading players, but you're trading with that value. And, you know, I would be surprised even if something does get put in place that you see more than one or two a season. I think you're most off seasons, you're going to see zero trades happen regardless of the ruling. You know, maybe one or two in a rare year. So I think we're really looking at this at something that's going to have 20, 30 trades in an offseason where it's honestly might be one. Like this might be the only trade you see for the next two years. It just happens to be that we have a very particular situation that's beneficial for the two of us. You know, and I guess coming at it from the other side, you know, we are allowing to pick up um, for kind of obvious reasons. You know, this whole thing with with trading keepers, you know, I, I can see a situation where, you know, you down, Steve, because uh, you do have that target on your back. And I say, you know, trade my fourth best guy who I'm not going to keep. And so here's this guy and give me some bottom roster guy who's going to go back in the draft anyways. And basically, I just handed Tony a great value that maybe wasn't good enough to keep on my team, but was still a great value pick. You know, I think that's something that as a league, we still have to be able to have that veto power, that power to look at a trade and say, is this one sided? Is this truly a beneficial trade for both parts because if it's not then you are compromising the integrity of the game you know so i still think we need to have that up you know that option but at the same time you know that is a form of collusion as you're talking about there normal trades are going to be beneficial for both parts and those are the trades that i think should be able to happen you know, and i think that's why we need something in place to allow trades that do help two teams to go through yeah at the at the end of the day i mean uh it's not really taking any other keepers off the board for anybody either i, I think it's really just reallocating uh, what team those keepers are for um in this special circumstance um you know steve was probably going to keep george kittle i was definitely going to keep james connor now they're just going to be kept by different teams it's not going to do anything to the draft as far as uh taking a player out of there that wouldn't be fair game for anybody else well and I, I think too this was more of uh, of an example to be made you know th this trade was was pretty even um you know i know that uh that both guys are are pretty high value um you drafted them low um, so it's a pretty fair trade, but I, I think it just opened up the can of worms of, you know, are we going to allow these trades now? <clears throat> Co Coach Groover, have power, um, and all of the league can still vote on it and say, you know, no, don't let this trade go through, just like you could in the regular season. But back to Coach uh, Joe Reedy's point later earlier, as, as was reported, you know, he's he's talking about not wanting to be involved all year round. And, you know, you, you during the season, as these trades happen, you have the app up, you're constantly looking at it, you're seeing these trades in real time, and you're able to vote on them. In the off season, you know, decide to delete the app in, in May, you know, and that trade goes down beginning of June, 
you're not going to see it to even have the ability to veto it. So at that point, we are saying paying attention all year to watch out for these trades so they don't come out, you know, under the under the radar at, at midnight. Yeah, you know, but I didn't even open up the league until you know a week ago, you know, so that we can easily set a time precedent where you can only do it two weeks before the draft or two weeks before a keeper set. You know, there's nothing. Our rosters aren't changing. You know, there's no time issues for this. You know, it doesn't have to happen at any certain time. Like Tony said, it's it's not a matter of doing it in May or doing it in July. Like it's not going to change the trade at all. So we could easily set a time frame of two weeks before the draft or a week before keepers start to allow these to start happening with no issue. Yeah, I think there's a lot of merit to creating a trade trade window of opportunity, and maybe you just have like a you just have a legal tampering period before that, where you can talk the trade as much as you want, but it can't really go through until a certain time. Um, yeah, I, I just maintain I just I don't think there's any advantage necessarily in pulling off a trade way before a certain point in time. Actually, I think you're exposing yourself risk the earlier you do it actually somebody does a trade in say may um, there's a lot of time in that offseason for something to happen to that player as i can attest to with injuries uh you see where my mind tends to go that's a lot more time for a certain player i'm trading for to uh you know try to rip a phone book in half and tear a peck or something it's ridiculous <laughs> so let me ask you both you know so so this trade uh was essentially vetoed by the rest of the league um, you know, what's your plan going forward? If you're willing to share it with us, are you planning on keeping the, these players and trading right after the draft or, or what's your plan here? Um, that's, that's something to think about. Um, I, there's definitely still interest there. Uh, I don't want to get into any, uh, tampering situation with a player that's not on my roster, but, uh, um, I, I will tell you, there's still some interest there. I hope that there's mutual interest there and, uh, we can revisit it uh, at the appropriate time. Yeah, I would say a gentleman's agreement will be made on this issue. Well, very, very good. So, you know, Steve, based on your current roster uh, before the trade, you know, uh, you have seven players that, that are top 10 projected for their positions. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Adams, George Kittle, Todd Gurley, Russell Wilson. You have a lot of high-value guys, and you also put out a lot of money for some of these guys. What what are you looking to going into keeper season? Honestly, you know, the biggest thing I look at is value. You know, what can I get for the cheapest price? So a lot of those names that you just listed likely are going to be available in the draft again next year. You know, one of the most notable we've talked about a little bit, Todd Gurley. You know, for $41 and a guy that has a lot of question marks around him right now, not really something that probably I'm going to want to get into unless the news gets more favorable. Um, quarterbacks as well. Quarterbacks, even at a cheap price, you know, it's there's going to be a lot of cheap quarterbacks out in that draft. So I don't know if that's where I'm going to find the value. You know, Joe Mixon is almost guaranteed going to be on my roster again for $18 and, you know, a projected top 10 running back. Uh, you can't beat that value. We've talked about Kittle plenty. You know, he's either going to be on Tony's team where I'm keeping him for sure. He's one of three tight ends who I can count on throughout the season to be good. And then, 
uh, there's a sleeper guy in Julian Edelman who might find his way on that keeper slot by the by the time that draft rolls around. See, I'm curious on the Patrick Mahomes front because um, this is a quarterback that was breaking records last year. And for some, some in the league, it might be inconceivable, the thought that you might be throwing him back in. Um, will will the Tyreek Hill situation have any any say in your, your play on that one? It might have a little, but honestly, it's going to be more about the quarterback landscape. Uh, it's such a deep position this year. You're going to be able to find some guys late for one or two dollars that are going to be just fine at the position. That uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes going to be a great quarterback this year, but he threw 50 touchdown passes last year. That's unheard of for even some of the best. You know, Rogers, one of his best years, he threw 40. So you have to expect that number to come down. You know, you have to expect him to come back to earth a little bit. And I think he's going to be more comparable to four or five other quarterbacks. So if I have great value at other guys, he might not be the guy that gets kept. If I didn't have value at other players, for sure he would be on my roster. But I might not be able to pass up other opportunities. This is incredible to me. You have a quarterback who was number one last year, predicted as number one next year. You got him for a dollar, meaning he's only going to be six. These top-tier quarterbacks are going for 20. Middle-tier quarterbacks are going for somewhere around 10. You could have this guy for $6. You're telling me you're not going to keep him. Eh, probably not, honestly. You know, I, I think your projection there of 10 and $20 for mid-tier quarterbacks is a little elevated. Yeah, I got Russell Wilson for seven last year, and he was projected to be a top five guy. Yeah, you know, look, go back and look at some of the numbers. You know, Rogers was one of the few that was in double digits. I would say Stafford went for six, and you know Stafford was still ranked you know fourteen or fifteen last year. Yeah, things have come out that said he played with the hurt back or yeah. uh, even some uh, messed up vertebrae all season. So. Yeah, he didn't finish where he was supposed to, but that doesn't mean you can't find value. So I'm looking. Tom Brady went for 14 last year. Drew Brees goes for 10. Cam Newton goes for 15. Aaron Rodgers goes for 18. Uh, Garoppolo goes for three. Uh, you know, so at that at that six dollar price, that's not bad value for a guy who. And I, I recognize what you're saying that. You know, what's the likelihood that he follows that up with a, with another, you know, record setting year? And, and the likelihood is is not very high. But, you know, the likelihood that that you could have a Patrick Mahomes for less than what you paid for Russell Wilson. I mean, that seems like a no brainer, coach. But look at it this way. Julian Edelman. So same price as him. Julian Edelman's expected to be wide receiver 13 to 15. You know, third, wide receiver 13 to 15 is netting a price of 20 to 30 pretty easily. So I'm getting a $30 value for six compared to Mahomes, who might go for 15 to 18 for six. So I'm almost doubling my value. You know, he's, yeah, he doesn't look as good because his wide receiver number, you know, that rank isn't as good, but that value is still there. Definitely an interesting test case here with uh, Patrick Mahomes. I, I think the entire league is really. Uh, anxious to see what you do on that front because if he gets if he gets out there, I I think there's some people in this league that will spend uh, ten to twenty, maybe even a little more on him uh, with the potential he has. Uh, Steve, I just want to put you on the spot here. 
who's finishing last place this year? Oh, man. I'll have to do my homework a little more. I've got some of our keepers pulled up here, though. And uh, just because it's fun, I think Dave Peschen's got a good shot. Coach Peschen's doesn't have a whole lot of keeper equity to work with this year. Uh, he's got McCaffrey sitting at $54. And other than that, he really doesn't have a whole lot of work to uh, a whole lot to work with. So uh, he's a guy that's really going to have to step up in the draft if he doesn't want to be on the chopping block. Very interesting. I had Coach Pestin on my list too. I'm, I'm going to put an, I'm going to put another one out there though. How about how about Tyler Kerr? Uh, he's he's been circling the chalkboard the last couple of years for this ACT test and has come out unscathed. But uh, uh, you know, it, it feels like it's bound to happen at some point if he doesn't change the course of his team. Um, definitely has some building blocks there to build around, but he's going to need a, a really good draft this time around. Yeah, and looking at Tyler Kerr's roster you know he's got Jarvis Landry he he uh kept last year for 17 you know so he's going to cost him 22 this year um otherwise you know he doesn't have a whole lot you know maybe he's going to keep Rob Gronkowski for 45 uh as he sits on the couch and watches football this year um but this is a guy who looks like he overspent for a lot of players um who didn't really pan out and so I I'm with you coach I don't know who he's going to keep uh, whatever he does, I think he's going to overspend. And of course the, the real test is how many kickers does he take and how much does he pay for him? Well, two just isn't enough. I'll tell you that. So absolutely. Now coach Groover, I'm going to go on the flip side of that. Um, I'm not going to ask you who you think is going to win the league because I think you're going to win the league, but let me, let me phrase it this way. Who do you think is the most intriguing team coming into the draft? The most intriguing team. That's it's interesting. I'm going to say Coach Perenni that we've got with us here has a really good set of keepers. He's gonna he's gonna be a fun one to watch and see how those running backs work out. Problem is that at least one of them is most likely going down with a hamstring injury by week two, so he's got to have a backup option working for him. Um, other than that, I want to say. Let me, let me look something up here real quick. I think Coach Hulick. Coach Hulick's got a little bit of ammo to work with. You know, it depends on where he goes with his keepers. But uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a great receiver, and he's got him at a decent price. So uh, it's just it's a good start for his squad. Groover's putting the pressure on me already. I'll tell you what, I'd be surprised if uh, Kittle wasn't on the verge of an injury this afternoon when uh, Steve went to accept that deal. Uh, I, I, have, I have some other issues that my team has definitely has to fight through, but I, I do like where my keeper situation is. I'll tell you what, the team that's in, it's intriguing to me, um, kind of a dark horse. How about Tim Taft's team? Um, really picked up some solid additions at the end of the year off the waiver wire. People that were dropped, people that were injured. And we picked up Cooper Cup for cheap. He picked up Darius Geis, who could be coming off an injury. I think he's got some pieces that he can add there to Adam Thielen, who he has for cheap, uh, to really put something together. If he has a nice draft, uh, he's going to need to spend in this draft, though. He can't sit back and, and let, the, let the money roll off the board and take some bargains. He really needs to spend. But I think he's got a good shot. Well, and that was that was the one thing that, that confused me last year in the draft for Coach Taft. And we'll have him on the show and we'll ask him himself too. But, you know, he just sat back there and he didn't want to spend any you know money on anybody. 
you know, looking at his roster, he he put out fifty-seven dollars for for David Johnson, and then really sat back and got an Allen Robinson for twenty, a Royce Freeman or uh, Robinson for twenty-one rather, Royce Freeman for twenty. I mean, he didn't go for any really of these mid-level guys. He went big for a guy that probably uh, I'm not sure deserved that kind of money, and then just sat back and waited, and I it showed on the scoreboard. Everybody has their own method when it comes to the draft, and, they, and somebody using that same method this year could win the league if they if they hit on those picks. But you're really, uh, you know, it, as, as Steve mentioned earlier, this this game's about risk aversion, and the less money you spend on guys, the riskier they typically are. So um, I think I think it's something he'll need to evaluate on his end. But I do think he's got some good pieces to to build around. And speaking of draft strategy, Tony, Steve, let me kick it over to you here. You know, you, you've been a team that have, has built around keepers uh, from the 2016 season where you started picking some guys up that you knew you were going to keep for 17 and moving forward. You know, but you're also not afraid to go out and spend some money for a Devontae Adams. Uh, so what's your strategy as you look to draft? You know, honestly, it's just kind of to be flexible. You know, I – I game plan a little bit, but you can't be afraid to find deals and jump on them when you do and just kind of you know, work off of that. I'll have my little sheet and kind of an idea of what I want to spend on certain positions. But if I see someone early that I think is going lower than what they should be, I'm not afraid to jump on it and kind of you know revert my strategy from there. So I really think it's all about just you know, being flexible with where I find that value. I was really hoping he was going to mention some real names there so I knew who to take out from under him come draft day. Coach Kruver not giving up too much information, that's for sure. All right, Steve, I just want to end with this. How does it feel to be the most hated franchise in the league? feels great, Tony. Honestly, I love it. I'm really, uh, really trying to harness my inner Belichick and Brady and uh, you know, just embrace that hatred from everybody else. Uh, it's it's fun. It it gives the game a little bit of edge, and uh, yeah, looking forward to getting a few more fuck yous throughout the season. Well, I'm expecting that venom to be double this year, coming off back to back championships. All right, for those of you listening, we just watched Coach Gruber try to open some type of container on the video chat. And that was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life. What was that you were trying to open? What? That was a bottle of barbecue sauce that the wife lovingly handed me with a wrapper on top of it while I'm watching the video. So I had to not only open the bottle, but take the wrapper off as I'm listening to you. So I'd say that was pretty impressive. I mean, there were teeth coming in. That was, that was just an embarrassing showing. We're going to have to throw this on YouTube so everybody can see that. <laughs> All right, Coach Coach Gruber, thanks for joining us. Good luck this year. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. Honestly, I appreciate it. Honored to be the first one on here. Wow, great stuff from our two-time defending champion. Uh, you know, I, I thought he had – he gave us a real good insight into his draft strategy, his keeper strategy. Um you know, Coach, what do you think? Oh, yeah, it was great insight. Um, and also good, just good with his dual role as commissioner to kind of hear 
you know, the 30,000 foot view of things in the league, you know, from the ACT punishment to uh, things with this controversial trade that we had today, it was kind of good to get his perspective on that um, as he goes and makes decisions and creates, uh, you know, different decision-making opportunities for everybody involved in the league. So very, very informative. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I look forward to, to keep having guests on this podcast. We're going to keep chatting um, getting people's takes on these different things. Um, and next week, coach, we're going to be diving into your team. Uh, you're going to tell us all about your draft strategy, who you're keeping. Uh, we'll get some more opinions on, on what's going on. I'm sure that this, this trade controversy will have evolved a bit. Um, looking forward to it. Yeah. Can't wait. Bring your medical tape. I'm sure it's going to be needed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Like I said, we'll be talking to Coach Tony Perenni, uh, discussing his team, what he has to do to secure a playoff spot and avoid that dreaded injury bug. Uh, And with Tony Perenni, I'm Derek Frost. Thanks for listening to the Frosty Podcast. We'll see you next time.